Hi, I'm Ian Delisi. And I'm Chef James Regato. And in this episode of Essential Cooking, James and I talk about how to transform your lawn into an eco-friendly food-producing garden with Samantha Stanish, who went from being a sous chef at Mabel Gray Restaurant preparing food to an avid gardener growing food. All right, so our next guest I'm familiar with, um, <laughs> it is uh, none other than the sous chef founding mother of Mabel Gray, also my girlfriend slash life partner, Samantha Stanish. Uh, but we're not talking about Mabel today or food, a little bit about food, but not prepared food. But Sam, uh, over the last few years, has transformed our once very sterile yard of just grass into a biodiversity, wildlife-friendly, sexually certified wildlife habitat um, little ecosystem, specifically with food and uh, pollinating landscaping. And I thought it was a good time to bring her in and talk with Ann and I about um, pr- finding meaning in the uh, planting and growing of uh, plants in your yard. So Sam, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank, thank you, you for Sam. Me. So we're gonna get um, we're gonna talk to you about something that I think a lot of people think about and struggle with that you might be able to shed some light on. Because I think a lot of people want to do what you've done or some version of it, maybe not on the large scale that you've done in your yard. But to get started, like to look at their bare backyard and say, I wanna create something beautiful here. And I wanna have meaning in this yard, whether it's to feed myself and my family or my friends or to feed the pollinators or how to create this beautiful ecosystem. And I think how to start is the most challenging part for people. And this time of year is really a good time to start thinking about it. I know that it's gonna be cold and people are thinking that spring is a long way off, but it kind of isn't, it comes really quickly. It does. So this is a good time to start thinking about it. And if you were to tell somebody how to start, what their mindset should be, how they can start thinking about what they want it to look like so that it's manageable to do. Absolutely. So I'll preface this by saying I'm not a professional by any means. I just kind of was winging it the last three years. I was a student of YouTube and social media, and there's so much information out there. But I feel like the most important thing to ask yourself is, what do you want to see in your yard and what do you want to get out of your yard? Mm -hmm. Do you want to just see butterflies and bees? You know, then plant lots of flowers. Do you want to grow food for yourself and and be more sustainable? You know, then we can go larger. But it could be as small as one little pot with one little tomato plant. That's usually how it starts, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Did you know what you wanted when you started? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I was more of like, a, am looking for something a little different yeah. and maybe a little more purpose in life and once I started, it just got bigger and bigger and I learned more and I changed so many things, you know, once I learned a better way or more efficient way of doing it. Um, so it was kind of like a, a, I don't trial and error. Mm-hmm. What was the Very first, much. What, were the, what were the first things you remember planting? Right when you were like, I'm going to start, what, do you, what was the first thing you started? What do you, what do you remember being like, I can handle this? I feel like the first thing was tomatoes and lettuces and you know your 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 basic things in pots 
I feel like I got the hoop house. <laughs> we, we No, we did the... You guys had some... We did the you, fruit trees. We did fruit trees the first, The first right? thing we did was the fruit trees. You're right. And the front, In the front yard. corner. We had some kind yeah. of mm-hmm. terrible corner that was like abandoned. And you dug, we dug it out and kind of made it a little more ground cover, perennial grasses, a little more like healthy for the soil. Right. And then we planted fruit trees. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of our first like landscaping. Yeah. And then the raised beds. The raised beds came next. It was something that my dad made some raised beds. And, you know, what I knew was I have some flower seeds that I got from a friend and Mm -hmm. I I can start there. You know, everyone can use some flowers in their life. So. And I think too, I watched you plant things and then the plants tell you, I love this. I hate this. And then you move them. Yes. Or you, you know, or you add more of them. Right. Um, So I think that that's, you know, because where we are today, I think it's, it's like okay to fail especially in your yard because you know, you can literally dig it up and move it. And it's not, that's life. Isn't always like that, but your yard is, I mean, even a fruit tree two years in, you can, you can move it. Oh, totally. I mean, it's, I feel so connected to all of the plants in my yard. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see them suffer. Right. So of course I'm going to learn where, you know, they're going to grow best and in what soil and what can I do to, to help them be as big as they possibly can be Mm -hmm. and grow as much fruit as they possibly can. I think the craziest thing, and she, yes, we did, we did, we're a little, we're aggressive because we're chefs. So we put in a 48 foot hoop house. Not everyone's going to do that. Nope. Um, it was about, it, <laughs> nope, it, was, about, it was like, it ended up being about five grand. So it was a, it was a financial commitment, but we've grown. I mean, I, we've easily pulled that, that amount of produce out of there mm-hmm. for the restaurant and for sure. my, ourselves. Um, but I think the, the, the craziest thing I think that I watched you do was our front lawn we transformed into what, you know, you can find information on. It's a food forest. And why don't you tell us, Sam, about that transition? Because I feel like that is the most unique thing going on in our yard where people, and it's by far the healthiest, like part of our yard as far as wildlife goes. So why don't you walk us through what a food forest is and why you decided to do that? Sure. So I think that was the second year of growing. I just felt this need and a sense of responsibility to bring more life into the yard. You know, I feel like living in Hazel Park, it's it's a concrete jungle. And I think, you know, to wake up every morning and see something like that, I was, I was interested in building, having a plan and then building that, creating what I, what I wanted to see. You know, everyone, you have Mabel, you know, you envisioned it before and then it came to life. I've never done that before, so I was able to do that in the yard. Um, so, and also it would, I had just learned, I had learned so much that it just seemed like the next step mm-hmm. to do. So what is a food forest? So a food forest is, I guess it's just like, it's a way of gardening that mimics natural landscape. So when you go into a forest that is untouched, you see the tall trees. They're the canopies that cover everything. And then you'll see like fruit bushes. So on every level, there's seven layers of a forest, you know, from the tall trees to the bushes to the vining, um, you know, the ivy or whatever it may be. And then you see ground cover, which 
contains the soil and keeps all the nutrients in it. Um, and maybe a few in between, but that's you're, you want to mimic nature. So what do you have growing in there right now? It's just offhand. Um, I have a couple peach trees. I have asparagus, um, currants, gooseberries, raspberries, lots of raspberries, blueberries, um, strawberries. Yes, lots of strawberries. Horseradish. Horseradish. Walking onions. Yeah, correct. And, and uh, I have like a butterfly garden area. Yeah, and then there's the then there's the, the you plant the um, pollinators because you want yes. and and then you also have the they go hand in. If you bring pollinators in, your food will be more plentiful because they're pollinating all of your raspberry mm-hmm. flowers and your strawberry flowers. And what's crazy is the peach trees that we planted in the food forest are two years younger than the orchard trees we have on the other side of our yard, and they're twice as big. The health of and they're, they're still green right now, whereas the other trees, are, the leaves are falling off. That's creating the right um, spot for the ideal ecosystem mm-hmm. for for the plant. You it's know, you really, have plants around that that benefit. They all benefit each other to for like for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rather remarkable to watch. You know, something is like basically to mimic nature to plant perennials that coincide that have layers and leave them alone to watch how much more they thrive versus something that you plotted three feet apart in a perfect grid in the sunspot and did the thing. I almost feel offended by it yeah. because it's where I'm, I am the least is where it, it has done the best. But that's how nature is. But I mean, that is how know, nature is. Mankind usually messes it up yeah. and nature really knows best. Yeah. So when you now go out there, now you have a very established yard. Mm-hmm. So every year, are you thinking about new things that you're going to put in there? Or are you thinking about these are things I really love to continue to grow and now I'm going to try these new things? I think it's a little bit of both. I think I've learned to, I've learned what I really love to eat and what Mabel Mm -hmm. really loves, but I've also learned um, how to be more efficient. And, you know, if there's a spot where I could put a little less work into it and get a greater amount of food, like we... Just this spring, we put 12 fig trees in the hoop house. Mm-hmm. And um, so next year, we sh- we'll get a, a fig harvest. That is something that they will be fine on their own. I don't need to worry about that. Right. And figs um, won't grow in Michigan in the open yard. Right. right. So in a hoop environment where the ground doesn't freeze, you know, as, as significantly, and it gets filtered light throughout, you know, yeah. the year. It They're can, protected. It, yeah, they can sustain. Mm-hmm. So Sam, you started growing um, plants and selling them last year. I did. Which I was a recipient of some of those. And they did great, as a matter of fact. I appreciate that. Everything did great. And when you sent me the photo of of your big sunflower bush. It was giant. That's that's what I love to see. I think I want people to um, feel the same things I was feeling while, while learning all about this and growing food for yourself and realizing how powerful you can feel when you grow these things and then you eat it and then all of that energy that you put into the plant, you know, Mm -hmm. can come back to you. I think people forget about that miracle. I still get blown away by putting a seed in the ground and food grows from that. Especially something like a huge head of lettuce or cabbage. Oh yeah. And you're like, it was a speck. Yeah. And now it's this 
It's that was, amazing. That was a salad for four people. Yeah, yeah. or over run amok zucchini, for instance, that you just go, oh my God, how much, how much zucchini bread can one person make? Yeah. But the feeling, like that is something I, I, I when I've talked about it, because I garden not to the extent that you do, but that the feeling that you get when you have that connection to the food that you grow, when you watch it become something that's going to be sustenance, there's a spiritual part of that. There's a beauty to that whole experience that I always think, oh, everybody should know what this feels like. Even if it is just that tomato plant growing in a pot outside your front door. Absolutely. That feeling is so magnified when you get to do it for an entire yard. And we were talking earlier um, before we started the interview about growing for the pollinators, which is such a big deal right now as we, you know, we are constantly reminded about how the bees and other pollinators are in danger. I mean, it sounds a little alarmist, but it really it is. is important. Every third bite of food we take is connected to a bee, the bees. Right. And to be reminded of that and then to plant for them to survive, there's something really rewarding about that too. And you've done that as well. I have, yes. I mean, I have been an animal lover all of my life and to be surrounded by all types of animals, um, I wanted I wanted that to happen, so I made it a priority to plant native to Michigan pollinators mm-hmm. um, and plants that were just for the bees and the butterflies, and so many other insects have come, you know, since then. And having the beehives in our yard mm-hmm. has really made such a huge difference. They the yard feels empty without them. Right. You know, we had to get two new hives this year because they did not make it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but so during that waiting period of new hives coming mm-hmm. in, I, I was, you know, I was like, where are all my friends? I know. You know, well, they, you feel that energy there. It's weird. It's hard to explain unless you have them on your property, but there's an energy about the bees. They make such a huge difference. Well, it's like, I, I feel like bees are like, I don't, I like can't fathom growing without them it's like it's not possible yeah, it's, I mean, obviously but like you know you rely on the on the natural pollinators which are, you know are certainly um you know are, are dying and at, at, at an alarming rate mm-hmm. but i think what's crazy is that we tapped into the ecosystem and so much of what a home is you know the idea of like oh here's a house that emits all this noise and light and pollution and then you surround it with a monocrop right gr- grass that you then spray with roundup to keep anything else from growing and like it's just it's just poison, mm-hmm. and then you and then so like okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go the other way we're gonna try to return things to nature we're gonna have bees we're gonna grow crops biodiversity pollinators natives, and what I get amazed by is how far up it goes. For instance, like you know you mentioned the bees. Well now we have you know now I'm noticing all the pollinators that come in the yard, flying ants that are kind of terrifying but harmless. You know the. Um, I mean, dozens of different kinds of bees that are mm-hmm. that are native to Michigan, and then you get you know other insects as well, and then you get bats, and then you get other birds, and then you get you know now we have birds that are nesting, and now we have hawks, and because like they're like it's just how far up it goes. I just saw a, a bald eagle was in Hazel Park the other day. Oh wow, that's cool. It's just wild to me to see you know how much you know the, how much wildlife has always been there and is and is in need. And then when we when we turned we kind of like turned the the human you know the human light bulb off and screwed in like a wildlife light bulb and here it is here's this ecosystem that 
is a need and has always wanted to be there. Right. And I think that's what that's the gift I think you've given me as a as a partner is I can walk out into my yard and I'm part of something now. And like you created it, you planted it, but I think that's why we, we wanted to talk about this was like it's physically difficult at times and it's a little you know stressful at times, but like mowing the lawn is worse, you know. So like <laughs> yes. to me, like I like this has been such an upgrade. It's like it's as stressful as like you know the, uh, owning a home is, mm-hmm. but the how easy it's been and how 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 rewarding it's been is a no brainer. I think that like redoing a bathroom or recarpeting your basement is harder. So like the fact that people you know are neglecting their yards or are thinking that lawn is all they can do. Right. You know. No, there's so much. There's so many levels. So, Sam, let's say somebody's ready to get started in January. It's a new year. I'm going to do this differently. What would you suggest that they do if they want to start growing things in their home or how is the best way to go about it to set them up for success? Do something manageable first. You know, it's like you want to do something that you can manage when the time comes. So what would you suggest to do in January? Start with plan to do a couple plants, you know, one tomato plant and maybe some fennel and maybe a couple flowers. Just start there because the butterflies will love it, the bees will love it, and you'll get some kind of food out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many great websites where you can buy seeds, even at your local Ace. Mm-hmm. You know, just grab a seed packet that's on sale right now. Um, well, I think too. I think um, I think what Anne's specifically going after is like what Sam did was basically drew a map of the yard. Right. And then looked at the existing landscaping, big trees, shade, right? And then, uh, you know, dug Yeah, where does the sun hit your yard? So, like, draw a map of your yard, and then I would write down, you know, where where is high sun, low sun, you know, partial shade, et cetera. Because we planted things in the shade area that never blossomed. Mm -hmm. And we're like, crap, we got to move those. So we move them. So I think that, you know, I think, you know, sometimes you're a little... Too, too humble. Sam drew a map, had a whiteboard, had a plan, and mm-hmm. like the yard was mapped out for what what would grow well in theory. And then small corrections were made once the evidence was there. You know, right. it's not flowering, or it is flowering, or it's burning, or you know, it's, it's incredibly dry. So we got to you know we got to kind of navigate that. So you could grow greens first. Absolutely. Cold yeah, water, cold weather. I should say things. Cold weather crop. Yep. Very You're going to start thinking about that first. Yep. Um. Uh, Go ahead. And then when you had your map, I'm sure you had a calendar that said, okay, these things are going to start now. These things are next. These things are next. And that really helps you be successful too. And then, but the, the Greens Gross yeah. Almanac is a great teach you how. Um, resource to use. Yeah. yeah. What are your most common resources? So Farmer's Almanac, what, yep. are your, what are your top few YouTube? Oh, YouTube is always on in well, the what background. Your, what, what channels? Like what? what? Um, I chose channels that were like local like mi gardener is a great youtube Mm -hmm. channel and it's he's in michigan and so i think it's easy for people locals around us to wrap their head around it because he's doing the same things that we can be doing yeah so look so look for youtubers that are in a similar climate exactly i I believe we're in seven 
6B, mm-hmm. I believe, is our zone. Right. Um, so look for things in that zone. And the hoop house gives you a longer growing season, yes. which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to grow things that you might not be able to grow in our climate outdoors that mm-hmm. you could potentially grow in a hoop house if you end up getting one. And you can get hoop houses that are kind of small. Mm-hmm. They yeah, are they're, they're not all as grand as, as, yeah. as ours, yeah. And they don't you know, and they are remarkable in that the ground doesn't freeze in there. I don't care what's going on outside. There's it's the crazy hoop house continuum and you walk in there and it's warm and yeah. st- things are still growing. And that is something to explore once you really get into it. But I will tell you that it is gratifying that when you start putting things in the ground and they flower and you see all these pollinators come and you just feel like you're part of a, you know, you're a little more connected something to the bigger. earth for sure. Yeah. You're connected to something bigger. I will let all my herbs grow out to flower because the bees love it. So I don't cut all of them down. Um, yeah. And then you can make decisions about that kind of stuff, like how you want, what you want to serve here, or if you're done with your herbs and you're drying them and then you let them flower. Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of things too, like, you know, we have a dehydrator. So Sam makes a lot of her own, you know. Oh, that's so great like, to have know, that spi- Our spice cabinet is just full of things that she dried and ground. Um, so and I think great. this is this is the evolution of just having one raised bed. Is Now I'm starting to think about what can I make out of the things that are coming out of my yard? You know, can I make teas? Can I dry mm-hmm. my herbs and make teas? Can I make, you know, shampoo? Can I, you know, what, what, can, what are all the things I can use? Mm-hmm. Um, to be more sustainable. And I think to a lot of people, you know, we've had great success with like just, oh, this row should be dahlias or let's just do a ton of tomatoes. Like it doesn't always have to be so much diversity. I mean, diversity is good, but like it can be four different things. It doesn't need to be, you know, mm-hmm. don't feel like you have to plant like one carrot plant, one cabbage plant. Like if, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're a cabbage consuming house, plant a whole darn row, plant a whole raised bed of cabbage. Totally. Yep. You know, there's nothing like, there's nothing wrong. Like, you know, Michelle Lutz would always say, like, plant what you'll eat. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, but I definitely, what I do love is the way that you've peppered in, you know, um, flowers or natural pest control or like, you know, pest is always a wrong word to use, but, you know, um, some natural deterrents. So, mm-hmm. like, what's a natural deterrent? Give me an example. So, there's a lot of insects that they don't necessarily do damage, but a lot of people don't like holes in their cabbage, you know, so marigolds are mm-hmm. something that will keep a lot of insects away that you don't really want to see. Um, or think- nasturtiums are great because a lot of bugs love nasturtiums. So they'll just focus on those instead of your food, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and also it's called companion planting where you can put plants together that will benefit each other. Like and that's that. from nutrients all the way to, to insects, to, yes. to shade. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's so much to learn, um, but Sam, you gave us some really great things to think about, and it's been rewarding, I'm sure, to have watched this grow into this, well, you've built your own forest back there. It's the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. So I I highly recommend it to anyone who is looking for something to start a garden. As small or big as you want to go, it's so beneficial to life around you but primarily to your life and and your and your time here mm-hmm. you know yeah, your purpose yeah, exactly yeah i think my favorite thing ever we did was kill the lawn so i could stop mowing it and wasting so much time gas energy and like you know <laughs> laying out the tarp and killing the lawn was like 
all right, now there's no going back. Now we have to do something with it. <laughs> and it's cool you to see. You are very committed once yeah, you do that. Once you kill your lawn, you're in it. It's cool to see the ripple effect. You yeah. know, neighbors will start to plant trees in their yard or get a bird bath because they see the birds in our yard. Or, you know, people just, they see something cool like that and they want to follow. Yeah, we have four bird baths. And I think that was one of the biggest things. And the neighbor, it's, it is true. I mean, your neighbors, when they see you, mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've, they've watched this plant. I think we have like 30 fruit trees. And like, they're like, you just see them like, crazy they're sweeping people. their driveway now. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, okay, I, I'm going to get a hanging basket. <laughs> like, it, it's contagious. It's hard to see 10 robins in a bird bath at nine in the morning on a perfect August or you know, actually mm-hmm. like June day and not want to go buy a bird bath. Mm-hmm. So it is contagious. Yep. Thank you, Sam. It was wonderful to have you on the show. It was Thank great. Thank you for having me. You I constantly amaze me. Thank you. We'd like to thank you for listening and... We would like to thank LaMarca Prosecco for their support. From the hills of Veneto, Italy, you can never go wrong with Prosecco, whether it's in a spritz or drinking straight. Essential Cooking is produced by me and Alicia, along with my co-host, Chef James Rigato. This episode was edited, mixed, and mastered by Connor Anderson, with production support from David Lyons and Patrick Burness. Original music by the Mallet Brothers. Essential Cooking is a production of WDET, Detroit's public radio station.